Hello, New Beginnings family. My name is Eddie Turner, and my wife Amanda and I are so excited uh, to be with your church family again this weekend. We, we have just fallen in love with Pastor Joe and Barbara and the whole New Beginnings church family. When we were here this past summer, um, we just didn't know what to think. We're from the South. And uh, we just didn't know what to think, and we just fell in love with you guys. We've talked about how friendly, how loving, how caring, how overjoyed we've been just thinking about our meeting from last summer. And then when Pastor contacted us and asked us to return, it's just been something we've been looking forward to. I still, there's some things I still don't have figured out about up here, um, uh, the, the, the no left turns. Uh, I, I don't, I, I still can't get that figured out everywhere. I want to go up here, uh, seems to be to the left and I can't ever get there. And I often wondered why there wasn't a whole lot of NASCAR. We're big on NASCAR stock car racing in the South. I often wondered why there wasn't many drivers from New Jersey up. And I now, because they just go left the whole time. So they, people don't know how to go left up here. So, so that's the reason there's NASCAR, no NASCAR. And the other thing is, is the way you figure your mileage on your toes. Coming out of the airport yesterday, we drove six miles and paid $2.85. Then we drove 14 miles and paid $2. And then we drove 35 miles and paid 70 cents. The way I got this figured, if I would have drove on down to Tennessee, y'all would have owed me money. <laughs> because, uh, anyway, I'm glad to be here. We're just excited to be up here, and I want to talk to you about uh, the anatomy of a stronghold. This morning when I woke up, uh, my office staff had sent me an email that had come uh, from some state, uh, it didn't say, of an individual who uh, said for 50 years they've had an eating disorder stronghold and they had been to multiple treatment centers and uh, could never get free and finally read the book, Conquering the Chaos in Your Mind, and finally found the key to be free. And now they're, they've been free for some time now. And just wanted to thank us that uh, they learned the secret to overcoming this stronghold in their life. Uh, there's a verse of scripture. There's three verses that I want to talk to you about. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through five. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, that little phrase there, pulling down strongholds, that's important. And we're going to come back to that. Casting down, the King James says, imaginations. The New King James says, arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In November of this past year, this past November, uh, statistics revealed that over 54 million American adults 54 million American adults in the United States are dealing with mental health illness. 54 million American adults over the age of 19. That lets us know that one out of every five 
one out of every five individuals in the United States, adults, are, are struggling with some type of mental health crises uh, due to this pandemic uh, situation. And, and, and these are numbers from November that were really registered before the pandemic. No telling how many there is afterwards. So stress, anxiety, depression, oppression, all type of mental health issues are really affecting a lot of people. And I know in our office, we are seeing a deluge of young people that are coming to get help and are wanting to talk and needing somebody to talk to and overcoming this anxiety, these oppressive thoughts, racing thoughts, tormenting thoughts, fearful thoughts, unhealthy thoughts, uh, things that they things that get on people's mind and they can't turn it off. They just can't turn it off. And it's ramped up at a unprecedented level. But I want you to understand that regardless of what's happening in the world, regardless of the, the discomfort that's going on because of the pandemic, regardless of the upheaval that's happening in the Ukraine, the fear that that brings, the political upheaval that's happening in the United States of America, this spirit of tension that's causing so much stress, regardless of all of that, God's Word has promised His children peace of mind. Let me just read a few verses to you that you know about. You know these verses. Your pastors taught on them. But here they are. Isaiah 26, 3. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Second Timothy 1.7, you know this one, this is a banner one. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I love this one. Psalm 94.17, I love this one. This is a hid one. This one's hid. A lot of people don't read this one much, but here's this one. Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul, which is my mind, my will, and emotions, would have settled in silence. And that's what happens when Satan brings anxiety. People isolate. People huddle themselves in a corner. That's why it's important when stress comes upon us or tension or anxiety, oppressive thoughts. Don't, don't let him drive you into a corner. Don't let him drive you into isolation. Listen to what David said. Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul, my mind, my will and emotions would have settled in silence. If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will help me up. Now listen to verse 19, Psalm 94, verse 19. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comfort delights my soul. In the multitude of my anxieties, Lord, your comfort delights my mind, my will, and my emotions. And then the, the favorite one, Jesus said it in John chapter 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you will have peace. In the world, you will have upheaval. You will have Ukraine crises. You will have pandemic. You will have political division. You will have stress 
and anxiety. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Fear, anxiety, stress have become common ailments in our culture. Mental health challenges are becoming commonplace, regardless of age, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, and intellectual aptitude. A mental health pandemic has been unleashed upon our world. Like COVID, uh, uh, like COVID's been unleashed, mental health has been unleashed. And unlike COVID, this mental health crisis will never be eradicated. There will always be stress and anxiety in the earth. And it's affecting the small to the large, the rich to the poor, the young to the old. Just this past summer in our Olympics, little beautiful Simone Biles, the, one of the most decorated uh, Olympic female indoor gymnasts in the history of that sport, who had won 39 world records and Olympic medals. Her body tweaked to perfection. Her, her nutrition was watched and guarded, and her fuel intake, her food intake was, was directed to make her the greatest athlete of all time. Every muscle her body was trained, developed to be able to be the greatest indoor gymnast of all time. She had excelled. She had had repeated coaching for years. Her whole life had been uh, built around this moment of the Summer Olympics this past summer. And when it came time to compete, she was unable to. She had to withdraw, not because her body wasn't ready. It had been trained to perfection, not because her nutrition wasn't balanced. She had eaten and been nutritionally nourished according to the greatest minds of our day. Not because she didn't proper rest. They had guards around her to make sure her time was balanced. It was all because she had to withdraw. Not because of her body. Not because of her nutrition. Not because of her time. Her mind. She had to withdraw because her mind simply enabled, stopped her body from in, being enabled to perform at its greatest function. Her thought life. Her imaginations her mental health. See, our thoughts determine our direction in life. Yet as Christians, as believers, we are taught to get our minds renewed with the Word of God. Listen to what it says, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. You know this verse. I beseech you. That word beseech is an intensified form of begging. I beg you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And he's talking to Christians. And do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, as believers, our spirit, our heart has been made new when we were born again. But our thought life, and our emotions do not encounter that transformation when we're born again. And unless we make our 
thought life and our emotions come in line with the Word of God, we will be severely limited in our peace and joy. We are living in a high-stress age. Whether young or old, we all experience stress. Now, not all stress is bad. People say, I just want to move somewhere where that's not stressful. I want to be at a job where there's not stressful. I want to be a, a married to somebody where the marriage is not stressful. I want to be in a family where it's not stressful. I want to go shop where it's not stressful. I want to live in a city where it's not stressful. Well, you need to, you'll just die. You'll have to die because there's no way we can be in an environment where there is non-stress. But what we need to understand is not all stress is bad. In fact, some stress is beneficial. In fact, stress is a normal physical response to events that make you feel threatened or upset your balance in some way. So not all stress is, is wrong. Not all stress is bad. It's a normal physical a response to events that make us feel threatened or upset our balance in life some way. For example, when you sense danger, whether it's real or imagined, the body's defenses kick in into high gear. And a rapid automatic response process known as the fight or flight reaction or the stress response takes place. That stress response, when managed properly, is the body's way of protecting you. When working properly, it helps you stay focused and energetic and alert. For example, in emergency situations, stress can save your life, giving you extra strength to defend yourself or spurring you to slam on the brakes to avoid an accident. The stress response also helps you to re meet challenges. Stress is what keeps you on your toes during a presentation at work or sharpens your concentration when you're attempting the game-winning th free throw or drives you to study for an exam when you'd rather be watching TV. But beyond a certain point, stress stops being helpful and starts causing damage to our health, our mood, our productivity, our relationships, and our quality of life. Medical science, and I know I'm a pastor, but medical science has determined that stress overload is detrimental to us in, in just about every way if we get stress overload. You, you hear people use that term, I'm stressed out, I'm stressed out. Doctors will ask you now in the pre-examination pre, uh, uh, questionnaire, what is your stress level? They'll always ask you that now because stress affects our health. Stress overloads our cognitive or our mental abilities. Overload of stress causes memory problems. I remember when I was bound by fear and anxiety, I couldn't remember people's names. Stress causes memory problems. It causes the inability to concentrate. Poor judgment, seeing only the negative of life. Anxious or racing thoughts, you can't turn them off. And constant worry. Stress also overloads and affects our emotions. Moodiness, irritability, being short-tempered, agitated, inability to relax, feeling overwhelmed, and a sense of loneliness and isolation, depression, and general love and happiness. And I was telling somebody that the other day, and they said, my God, I'm stressed now. I wasn't stressed till I came in here, but now I realize I have all the symptoms of stress. This is what stress overload can sometimes do. Stress overload affects us physically. 
with aches and pains and nausea and dizziness and chest pains, rapid heartbeat, frequent colds. Medical science has discovered stress is a killer. Stress overload affects our behavior. Eating more. Somebody told me the other day, my God, you must have been stressed all your life. Eating more and some people it's eating less. Sleeping too much or too little. Isolating yourself from others. Procrastinating or neglecting using alcohol or drugs. I deal with people every day who are using alcohol or drugs or have gotten addicted to prescription medications. Why? Because of stress. Stress, something triggered that stress and it overloaded them and they needed an escape for it. Over time, if we allow stress to dominate our lives, these stress overload reactions will become strongholds in our life and hinder us from enjoying God's best. So the question is, what is a stronghold? What is a stronghold? That's a term we use a lot around church world. What is the term strongholds? Well, you got a stronghold in your life. Well, what is a stronghold? Remember what the, the scripture we just read, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down. Pulling down of strongholds. The word stronghold is the Greek word which means a fortress or that which is firm. It literally means a prison. And when the Apostle Paul used the word stronghold, he is referring, he's literally referring to the lies that the devil has so deeply ingrained in our minds and our belief system that now they exert power over certain areas of our life. And in turn, that person is held captive, like a prisoner, viewing life behind mental and emotional bars. See, in, in church, we, we've gotten real spiritual and we talk about strongholds in the heavenlies and strongholds over this city. And yes, there are those things. Uh, the book of Daniel talks about that and gives reference to that. But if we're not careful, we'll get consumed with those things. And that's a, a general stronghold. But the biggest stronghold you and I have to deal with is the strongholds right up here in our mind. In fact, this verse of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, is not mentioning the heavenlies at all. It's not mentioning cities at all. It's mentioning your thought life, your imaginations. The strongholds are up here in our minds. So let me repeat that to you again. When Paul uses the word stronghold, he is referring to the lies. Lies. The devil has so deeply ingrained in our minds and belief system that now they exert power over certain areas of our life. In turn, we are held captive like a prisoner viewing life behind mental and emotional bars. A stronghold is a compulsion. It's an unhealthy habit, a continual pattern of thinking that prohibits a person, me or you, from being everything God wants us to be. It's a fortress. It's a prison of mental anguish. A stronghold can be one of dozens of fears 
or phobias known to mankind. It can be insecurity that frightens us, a past tragedy that haunts us, or an uncontrollable lust and desire that drives us. It can be substance abuse, sexual addiction, or greed. It can be emotional trauma caused by a childhood incident or a host of other things. Anything that Satan use, uses to affect your cognitive behavior, your mental thinking, your concentration, your mind, your thought life, anything he uses to lock that moment that word, that incident, that trauma, that thing in your mind and holds you as a prisoner. That is a stronghold. And Satan's goal is to develop a stronghold in your life and in my life to keep us from being God's best and receiving God's best. Now, that's what a stronghold is. Now, how, do you, how does it get in our lives? How does a stronghold get set up in our life? You, we, we've, we've got to realize this, that you don't go to bed tonight sober and wake up in the morning an alcoholic. You don't go to work today trying to live a good life and a godly life and a healthy whole life, pleasing to the Lord. And when you get off at work in the afternoon, you're a sexual addict. You, you don't... You don't go to the grocery store today and then tomorrow you can't get out of your house because you're paranoid and bound by fear. See, there's a process through which these strongholds are developed in our life. Satan does not have the authority or the power to develop or put a stronghold in your life at his will. Satan cannot inflict a stronghold on you whenever he desires. We sometimes give Satan too much credit, but he doesn't have that authority or that power over the child of God. A stronghold is developed in our life. This prison, this mental prison, this emotional bondage is developed in our life either through invitation, neglect, or ignorance. That's how Satan gains access, either through invitation, neglect on our part, or ignorance on our part. We either invite him in, we neglect some things that we don't need to neglect, and that gives him rightful room to come in, or ignorance. What does Scripture say? My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Let me give you a scripture. Let me, this goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Let, let me give you a scripture here. Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam knew his wife, Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again this, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit to the ground of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Verse 6. Genesis 4, verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not, if you do not do well, notice what he says. 
sin lies at the door. And it is desire for you. It, it, its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Just synopsis. Cain and Abel, first two sons of Adam and Eve, brought their offerings to the Lord. The Lord accepted Abel's offering, did not accept Cain's offering. This angered Cain, and he became depressed. The Lord said, why are you so angry? Why are you looking so dejected, the New Living Translation says. You'll be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door. It's eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. The Lord here in the book of Genesis gives humanity, mankind, remarkable insight to how a stronghold finds interest entrance into our life. Sin doesn't have the ability. Satan or sin does not have the ability to knock down the door of your life and barge in without your participation. Sin, Satan, and sinful influence remain lurking outside your door, my door, our family's door, our children's door. We open the door to sin either through invitation neglect, or ignorance. Years ago, there was a great uh, comedian that I used to watch when I was younger. His name was Flip Wilson. and he, he coined a phrase that I still remember to this day. The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Listen, the devil doesn't make the child of God do anything. He doesn't. We open the door through either invitation, neglect, or ignorance. Now, notice what it says about Cain. We know that he eventually murdered Abel. Now, how did that stronghold of murder get in his life? Sin was out there. Murder was out there. And he eventually acted on it. How did, it get, how did he it, that stronghold? You know, you have to have a stronghold before you murder somebody. Listen to what Matthew chapter 15 says. Do you not yet understand, verse 17, that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man? Verse 19, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Jesus said that the first thing that comes out of your heart if you're defiled is evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. See, Cain entertained the thought of murder before he ever acted on it, and it became a stronghold in his life, a compulsion that he had to act on. Jesus said it here. Before murder ever manifests, before adultery ever manifests, before robbery ever manifests, you've got to entertain the thought. You don't get a stronghold of compulsion. I got to kill that person or I got I to be with that individual even though they're not my spouse. That compulsion cannot overcome you and drive you unless you've gone through a process of first you entertain the thought. Jesus said the first thing that happens is you entertain the thought. The first thing that a person must accept before a stronghold can become, begin to take hold of their life is an unhealthy thought. So what have you been thinking about? What have you been entertaining? People say it to me all the time. You know, it doesn't matter what you think as long as you don't act on it. Uh, that sounds good. 
But the truth is our thoughts are blueprints for actions. Eventually, if you think about it and entertain it long enough, that thought will start moving toward a stronghold, a compulsion. That thought, that belief, that image, that trauma that you can't continue to entertain and rehearse over and over, that conversation, some of you have, have a strong, have, some of us have dealt with a stronghold of unforgiveness. We can replay a conversation that was so painful to us and hurtful from 10, 15 years ago. We remember every word that was said. We can replay the, the scene. We can replay what they were wearing when they said it. We can replay where we were, even though it happened 10, 15, 20 years ago. And that thing has become a stronghold. It's now hold them prisoner, and they see all of their life through that unforgiveness. And how did it all begin? It just began with entertaining those thoughts. So the first thing that happens, the first way a stronghold is developed in our life, Satan just don't, you don't wake up one morning with one. He pitches these thoughts. That's why the Bible says take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Unhealthy thoughts, lustful thoughts, fearful thoughts, tormenting thoughts, anxiety-filled thoughts, fearful thoughts, all these thoughts that are unhealthy, that are against the Word of God, we've got to say, no, 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 I'm not going to think that. I refuse to think that. I refuse to think that. In its place, I choose to put God's Word. So understand, the, a stronghold begins, first of all, by a thought. Now, the second thing is happens, if you don't take that thought captive, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. See, the first thing that happens, you've got to take the thought captive. That's where it begins, just your thought life. Don't let anybody tell you that what you think is not important. What you think determines your life. As a man thinketh, so is he. So first, it's understanding that we have to take our thoughts captive. The second thing, if we don't take our thoughts captive, here's exactly what's going to happen. Your thoughts will turn into an imagination. What do you mean imagination? It's a picture, a scene, an image. The world calls it fantasy. First, you have the thought, the thought and then it turns into a fantasy or an imagination. That thought now is progressing toward bringing you to a stronghold. It's Satan's attempt to bring you to a stronghold. You say, really? Is that how it is? Yeah, you remember Mark chapter 4? The Bible says in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is talking. He says, this is how the kingdom of God operates. This is how the kingdom of God operates. He said the kingdom of God operates as of a man cast seed into the ground. And he, he goes to bed at night, rises night and day, and all of a sudden the seed starts springing up. He don't know how. But then he says it, it, it's a process. He says it's first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn the ear. He doesn't say a man casts seed in the ground. The next day he gets a harvest. He says God's kingdom, God's kingdom operates in our life, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. See, we Pentecostal, charismatic, word of faith people, we, we are the people of the suddenlies. We like to pray and it suddenly happens. And that's wonderful and that's great and it happens from time to time and we're so excited when it does happen. But that's the, 
unusual. That's the exception, not the rule. The rule, the kingdom of God operates first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. It's process. You pray, you water the seed, and then God gives the increase. Satan is not a creative being. He hasn't come up with anything new. That's how he developed strongholds. First the thought, then the imagination, then the stronghold. Let me give you an example. Numerous times I've sat in my office with couples who've experienced infidelity in their relationship, betrayal. Satan has tricked them, and one of the partners has betrayed the other with someone else. And it's, the scene is always the same. It comes at a moment of tension or high stress in their relationship, maybe neglect, maybe ignorance, or through invitation because of some difficulty in the marriage relationship or high stress moment in the relationship, financial problems, in the whatever communication problems. And in that moment, Satan walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's watching you and me for our openings and he brings someone into your life and the thought hits you, boy, doesn't she look good? Doesn't she look good? And you immediately know, eh, as a child of God, I don't even think about that. And you kick that out. But then the thought comes back. Then the thought comes back. Then you see her again. And then before long, if you don't take that thought captive and kick it out and say, this ain't happening in my life. My mind is not a garbage can for Satan's impurity. If you're not careful, then all of a sudden you'll start imagining. You'll start seeing yourself with her. I wonder what it'd be like to be with her. And then you start fantasizing about it. I'm talking to men. I'm talking to ladies. And you know how this process works. And then you start fantasizing about it. Boy, it'd be nice to be with somebody like that. My husband, my wife, she hadn't showed me any attention in weeks. She hadn't told me, she, he hadn't told me how beautiful I am in weeks. Wouldn't it be nice? And all of a sudden you run into somebody who starts showing you a little attention and it starts with a thought and then you start imagining it. The Bible says that we must cast that imagination down. See, with each level of the stronghold toward the stronghold's ultimate goal of getting you bound, the spiritual intensity, uh, spiritual warfare has to intensify. Remember, we just take our thoughts captive. A thought pops in. No, no, I'm not going to have it. I'm going to replace it with this. You take that captive. But if it becomes an imagination, if it becomes a scene, if it becomes a movie in your mind, you're still thinking about it. You know, if some trauma has happened, I deal with people with a lot of post-stress, uh, uh, post-trauma, and, and they keep replaying that traumatic moment. And as long as that scene, that movie keeps playing in their mind, it's working on them. But the Bible says when that movie starts playing in your mind, you've got to cast that down. You literally hurl with force, hurl with force. The spiritual intensity ramps up because Satan's on his way to make a put you in prison. So when those scenes keep playing in your mind, you've got to pick up the spiritual intensity and hurl that down. And then if you don't cast down that imagination, the third step is the stronghold. Remember the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the 
pulling down of strongholds. Now, notice the phraseology, the pulling down of strongholds. Notice the strongholds already got there. You've got to pull it down. You've got to pull it down. It's already set up in your life. It just didn't automatically appear. It got set up. And the way it gets set up is that we start entertaining impure and improper and unhealthy thoughts. Those thoughts turn into scenes, movies, and imaginations in our minds. We don't cast those down. We keep playing them over. And before long, that will then turn into a stronghold. It becomes a compulsion that we have to act upon. And it imprisons us and we become alcoholics or drug addicts or uh, addicted to prescription medication or we live in fear because of that traumatic event or we live with unforgiveness or jealousy because of that moment of abuse or rejection and it becomes a stronghold in our life that we literally, it becomes the filter through which we see life and it imprisons us. It imprisons us and it didn't happen overnight. It was an intentional scheme set out by Satan to destroy you and me and to prevent us from receiving and being everything God has for us. Peter said it this way, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I learned this in the fourth grade. I learned this truth. In the fourth grade, my teacher, I remember it was a spring afternoon. And she said, okay, whoever finished this, when you finish this assignment, raise your hand and I will let you go outside early for recess. Well, recess is, I'm all about recess. I was all about lunch and I'm all about recess. So I was second in my class to finish it. Kathy Baker was always first. I didn't like her, still don't like her. She's still first. She's first. She's smarter than me. So she was first. So she raised her hand. You're gone. And then I raised my hand. I said, Miss Hyatt, I said, I, I'm finished. Can I go outside? And she looked at me and she said, I don't know, Eddie. Can you go outside? And when she said that, everybody in their seats looked up. That got their attention. And I thought, she didn't hear me. So I said a little lighter, I'm finished. Can I go outside? And she replied a little louder, Eddie, I don't know. Can you go outside? Now people are starting to look at, all my friends are starting to look at me. And I looked at one of them and said, what's going on? I asked her again, can I, can I go outside? And she said, no, I don't know. Can you go outside? And I'm just bewildered and she started to laugh. And she said, Eddie, you're asking the wrong question. Don't ask, can you go outside? Because can denotes ability. You're asking me if you have the ability to go outside. I don't know. Only you know if you can get out of that seat with your legs and walk outside. You're asking the wrong question. You ask me, may I go outside? I'm the one with authority. I give you permission if you ask may. Can denotes ability. May denotes permission. So ask me again correctly. I said, may I go outside? She said, yes, you may. The adversary walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You have to give him the ability. You have to give him invitation. You have to open the door. 
and you can say no to him by using God's word. May God bless you. And may you get your mind renewed with the word of God and enjoy the peace of God that passes all understanding. God bless.